This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, April 6th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, Norwood School District looks to the future. Telski reflects on 2021-22 season. The joys of birding. And a mountain weather forecast. Summer vacation is a month away for the Norwood School District, but Superintendent Todd Bittner is already looking forward to fall. I'm so eager for the start of next year, I can't even tell you, based upon the foundations we're creating this year. Jumping back in from spring break, Bittner is in the final days of his first year as superintendent of the district, and he says it's exceeding his expectations. Having a new uh, K-12 principal and coming into a school in the middle of probably one of the most challenging academic times because of a pandemic, um, you put all that together and it can go in a couple of pretty squirrely directions. And and, and I got to say, between the support I've had from the school board, the community, the staff, and frankly, I fell in love with the kids. I mean, it's not a big surprise because in rural communities, the kids can, can really provide real positive energy. No matter what's going on in the world, kids are the most resilient things we have on this planet. He notes one of his proud accomplishments for his first year has been the collaboration between the school district and Neenan Architecture, a company helping to create a master plan for the district's future. That kind of lays out where the school district is as far as its buildings, its, its uh, available properties, and creating a a master plan of, okay, community, let's figure out where we would like to have a new school, how to build a new school, and how to make sure that our kids are are getting the latest in technologies, but really the best things for them, such as an ag facility, um, such as being able to get a, a new football field or a new athletic arena that has a track. Bittner says the next step for the master plan is continuing to work with the Norwood Board of Trustees to find land to build and funding to move the project forward. And, you know, honestly, I, I you know, people get really worked up about those pieces. But I got to tell you, this community rallied together in 1968 and in 1998 to, to build facilities. And frankly, in the next Uh, two to three years, I see that same thing happening. This community wants what's best for the kids. So to answer your question, what what do I see the next phase of that project? It's going to be real, honest to goodness, something concrete, um, both metaphorically and otherwise, um, put into place. We have an opportunity to start moving forward. We have a building here that is in desperate need of replacement, and the Neenan Group is providing us a roadmap And the next steps are figuring out our funding to make sure that our district are good stewards of the community's funds. Of course, a new school building is at least several years away. In the meantime, Bittner is looking forward to moving out of COVID education. Getting back to the business of two plus two and how to write a proper sentence. And he's excited about new academic and trade opportunities for the district in the next year. He points to new literacy programs for the younger students. To really help our kids have a foundation in language and language skills that are going to be absolutely fantastic opportunities for our kids to excel academically. And we're going to be going after some math intervention grants next year. 
to really help kind of bolster some of those pieces for our kids. And programs preparing students for working in the future. Potentially having a class that, that is, is certifying kids with the FFA, FAA in uh, drone technology. We're bringing back shop. We're bringing back uh, welding and wood shop. We're trying to do things to make sure that our kids have every opportunity to succeed when they graduate. And we're just starting out. The next two years are going to be so dynamic for our families and our kids. Frankly, I, I can't wait for the 22-23 school year, to be honest with you. With the excitement of the years to come, Norwood schools still have several weeks before breaking for summer. Bittner says the time is a beautiful snapshot of the year. This is the, this is the, the pinnacle of the, of the year, right? I mean, we, we have this opportunity to, to see the growth. I mean, you, you've got your kinders that are going to be in first grade next year, and, and it's like, wow, look how they've grown throughout the year and, and really kind of taking a snapshot of, of the growth that from elementary, middle, and high our kids have done is really how you really take a snapshot of this, this end of the year. But looking forward to sending off that class of 2022 is, uh, is always the greatest focus this time of year. The class of 2022 is plugging away at their final days of school before graduation and heading on to their next big adventure. For the Norwood School District itself, new adventures are also on the horizon. The 2021-22 ski season is in the books. Patrick Latcham says it was a great season, but acknowledges it had its challenges. We kicked off the season with a delayed opening, which is never fun, but, you know, snowfall just didn't allow it. Latcham is the vice president of sales and marketing for Telluride Ski and Golf. Still, he says, they're proud of what they opened with. A lot of ski resorts push their opening, and we call it the, the ribbon of death when they just kind of have the one line of snow that people can ski down where... Here in Telluride, we always we do coverage wall-to-wall. With that goal in mind, we had to delay our opening a little bit, but excited with what we opened with and at the end of the day. Visitors, Latcham says, were up compared to last year, somewhat unsurprising given last season's lodging restrictions from COVID, which, Latcham explains, hampers things for a destination resort like Telluride. Still, that increase, he adds, was difficult to keep up with because, like many businesses, they had a hard time hiring. The ski resort employs a huge amount of people. It's you know around 1,400 employees. So we definitely felt that with the staffing challenges, with, with the demand we had. And shout out to the Garano staff in particular. You know They were doing their huge numbers for lunch, and then we'd have wedding buyouts, and, and the turnover there would be crazy. And then they had to, you know, work all the way to that closing day where a lot of us were able to go out and enjoy. They, you know, they had to really sprint through the finish line. As for anyone wondering why the resort closes when it does, Latcham is quick to point out it's not because of elk. The elk calving in Prospect Basin, that's May 20th to July 1st. So that actually doesn't play a role in why we close. And I know that's kind of, you know, what a lot of people here think. A big reason, Latcham says is the unpredictability of spring weather. We have some Aprils where we get a lot of snow, and we have other times where it rains, and we just have a huge spring melt and a lot of runoff and things like that. Families are another piece. Our school system pushes back our spring break, so, you know, everyone can work and, and kind of help us get through the winter season. It would be really difficult if we push that back any farther for our community, and so we want people to be able to have that time with their families. Latcham also points to the reality that Telluride is a destination resort. Some other resorts, they get a big snowstorm in April. They have a drive market that comes in and enjoys it and and makes it economically viable for, for the resort. Whereas for us, our flights stop coming in at the volume that they're coming in on. 
And so economically, it doesn't even make sense. For those long-term planners, Latcham says the resort is closing April 2nd next year. They looked at holding out till the 9th, but opted against it. We perceive we're going to still have staffing challenges next season. And, you know, you look around town right now, I don't think anyone wanted to work another week. I think everyone was ready to to take a step back and, and, and relax and have some well-deserved R&R. In terms of lessons learned for this season, Latcham points to the importance of sustainable growth for the resort. Our goal is not to become a, a volume resort. We're seeing a lot of what's happening with other resorts right now, and, and we're lucky in, in the fact that we've been able to really preserve a lot of our experience. And so seeing that, learning from that, seeing how important that is to our, our resort, our culture, and our experience is something that we're taking into consideration with everything we do in, in sales and marketing and the development of the resort. One big piece of that sustainable growth, Latcham explains, is affordable housing. Tune in for Friday's news to hear more from Patrick Latcham about what's ahead for Telski in terms of housing, replacing Lift 9, and more. One of the best parts of the Telluride region is the ubiquitous nature. Trees, mountains, streams, and wildlife abound. As the human world quiets down for the next few weeks, we're rerunning a piece from April 2020 that still holds true about a nature-filled hobby anyone can pick up to fill those quieter off-season days. It's springtime, so the birds are starting to come back. And even if I see the same birds all the time, it interests me. But I don't. I do see different birds all the time. My name is Denise Mungan. I've been in the community for 35 years. I like to identify birds. I like to know what birds are around me. I mean, I think a lot of us like to identify nature, whether it's flowers, mushrooms, trees, rocks, and birds are everywhere. And there's a completely different set of species everywhere you go, and depending on what time of the year. So there's always something interesting to watch with birds, and it's always interesting to me to identify them. Birding is the act of watching birds. So it could be as simple as sitting in your house and looking out in your backyard. Maybe you've got a feeder out there and seeing what comes to you. Or getting out there and seeing who exists at the different elevation areas here in Telluride. So my name is Kara Carter and I'm the curriculum manager at the AHA School but also a local artist. I just had a sculpture show of all birds of Telluride at Telluride Arts and a bird enthusiast. <laughs> so on the river trail right now, if you hear kind of a screeching sound or almost like a cat, look out for some blackbirds, some red-winged blackbirds. They're all black, but they have this little flash of red and sometimes yellow as well. Well, the two chickadees that are here year-round, and I think we all know the chickadees, they're those little black and gray birds. They're quite small, the size of a nuthatch, maybe. And they go, chickadee-dee-dee, chickadee-dee-dee. Yellow warblers are really pretty to see. A super bright flash of yellow, so they're hard to miss. And then down at the beaver pond, you know, well, I think the mallards are back, the Canadian, the Canada geese are back. American dippers are pretty fun. They're one of the few birds that actually as well. 
So if you're on the river trail and you see a little gray bird that kind of looks about as round as it is tall, those guys will stand on rocks and kind of pump their legs up and down, and then they actually dive into the river to look for um, food. We have around here a beautiful bird called the evening grosbeak. Comes in the springtime. It's a striking bird, yellow, white, black, real thick beak. And I've been here 35 years. So for every 10 evening grosbeaks that flew around the canyon when I moved to town, one of them flies around the canyon now. My name is Hollis Andrew, and I'm a student at the Telluride High School. I'm in ninth grade. Well, I am an ofer, so there is really no bird watching, but I have a lot of time to draw things, and I have drawn some birds. On my YouTube channel, it's called The Art of Change. I did draw a passenger pigeon. It's a breed of pigeon that was domesticated during the Civil War, but after the Civil War, it ended up going extinct. My YouTube channel, it, I have been drawing a lot of animals that have gone extinct or endangered. And so I decided to draw the passenger pigeon just to kind of let people know that it's possible for birds to go extinct. But I never ended up posting it, but I might. It forces you to slow down, for sure, and really take in the smaller picture, if that makes sense. When you're birding, you have to always be ready for anything. You never know where a certain bird is going to pop out. You might have an idea, but it can always change. You know, the same path is going to give you a different list of birds every time you walk it. Maybe you hear a bird off in the distance, and you're going to spend a couple minutes just sitting there and waiting until it shows itself to you. It's not a checklist hobby. It's something that forces you to take in and, and respond to what the world is putting out there, which right now is kind of comforting. The mountain may be closed, but the Nugget Theater is still up and running. The Batman plays through this Thursday with nightly showings at 7 p.m. Then Friday, the outfit begins a week-long run. With Mark Rylands and Zoe Deutsch, the sartorial thriller follows an English tailor who must outwit a group of criminals to survive a dangerous night. Running at just under two hours, the outfit is screening at 7 p.m. nightly at the Nugget Theater through Thursday, April 14th. One sheep, two sheep, Colorado Parks and Wildlife are looking for 30 sheep. CPW is starting a multi-year study of bighorn sheep in Cochitopa Canyon outside of Gunnison. The department is looking to place GPS collars on 30 sheep, a mix of rams and ewes, with the goal of mapping the range of the animals and learning more about their population dynamics. Cochitopa Canyon is native bighorn habitat, but the population was exterminated in the 18 and 1900s. CPW reestablished the herd in 1995 when it transplanted 24 bighorn sheep from further north. According to CPW, a bighorn sheep herd's health is greatly dependent on available habitat. Some bighorn populations in Colorado exceed 1,000 animals, 
but CPW worries due to limited habitat, the herd in Cochitopa Canyon may be hitting its ecological carrying capacity and in turn lead to a population crash. CPW says with the data from the study, it will determine herd management plans. Governor Jared Polis signed a bill on Monday he says will protect access to abortion in the state. KOTO Scott Franz has more. Democrats advanced it as a response to several conservative states passing new abortion restrictions. Polis says federal abortion protections are also being weakened and may be completely struck down soon. No matter what the Supreme Court does in the future, people, women in Colorado, will be able to choose when and if they have children. The new law says cities cannot ban abortions and every Coloradan has a right to one. It also says a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent rights. Republicans opposed the measure and spent dozens of hours debating against it. I'm Scott Franz at the state capitol. The Boulder County Farmers Market made its spring comeback this Saturday, drawing throngs of visitors on a beautiful, sunny day. Next to the market, the Boulder Museum of Contemporary Art was also bustling with the Healing Day of Remembrance event organized by local youths. KGNU's Shannon Young has the story. This has been created by teenagers in the Boulder area for the entire community, all ages, and it's healing from the King Supers tragedy that happened last year. That's Mara Menser, executive director of Growing Up Boulder, an organization that helped to coordinate the event. It's about the year since it's happened, and we realized children and youth didn't have a lot of things that were designed for them to help heal. There's a lot of attention to adults' needs, but not as much our young people's needs. And so the Community Foundation Boulder County contacted us and said, could you look at doing something for and with children and youth? And today is a result of that. The event featured multiple activity stations for people of all ages, from modeling clay to massage therapy. 16-year-old Grayson DeMarco is one of the students who helped to design the activities. In the beginning of our meetings, we learned about trauma and more so how to deal with it. And then after that, we had a work day where all of the youth came together and then some of the advisors. And we kind of split up into groups and then from that we decided what we wanted to focus on and some people wanted to focus on kids and some people wanted to focus on like the natural highs and ways to help healing and other stuff but we wanted it to be very inclusive because of what we know that happens is like you can go somewhere and then you can talk to somebody but we wanted to make it more interactive so that everybody felt comfortable coming here and like dealing with whatever they wanted to. The shopping center where the Table Mesa King Supers is located is an after-school hangout spot for many Fairview students, like Grayson DeMarco. Students were out for spring break when the mass shooting occurred last year, but what happened there has altered this sense of comfort with what had been a common ground gathering spot for local teenagers. When we first came back, it was definitely a little bit eerie because like, it's not something that you can just ignore. And even for me, I'm on the POMS team and the day that it happened we were at school practicing and so we were just like, we heard the news that there was a shooting at King Supers and then we were just like, the King Supers like right next to our school and it was just crazy. So 
it was just a weird feeling because, as you said, it's a hangout spot for Fairview students. And now, even since it's opened up, I feel like people have gotten better, but it's still weird because it's like, you know that there was a shooting there. So it just like kind of changed the vibe, I guess. With high school students, it's become increasingly common over the course of your lifetime to have drills. Are you doing that also within your school and also thinking about it outside of your school and your social spaces? Yeah, we do them in the beginning of the year and then like repeatedly throughout the year. But it's definitely like not even like an organized thing. Like sometimes I'll just be like thinking to myself, like if something happened, like what would I do just like randomly? Because it's like it could happen, but like you just hope that it doesn't. That reduction in physical spaces in which kids and youth can feel secure is just one load weighing on young minds. The pandemic disrupted learning opportunities and social interactions for youth in ways that could be hard for older generations to comprehend. Mara Mincer says the sense of loss was something that came up repeatedly in student applications for the Growing Up Boulder program. Yeah, many kids have just expressed missing out on so many things and so many personal losses. Again, in the application, some of the kids said, I've experienced lots of loss in my life this year, and whether it's a relative passing away from COVID or not being able to be in a musical that I'd been looking forward to since I was a freshman, whatever it is, and they really needed a chance to be with each other and also to give back. I can't get over how much our young people want to give back as a way of healing themselves as well. For KGNU and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Shannon Young in Boulder. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-teens. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Thursday, expect sunny skies with a high in the mid-40s. Thursday night should be clear with a low in the mid-20s. Friday calls for sunny skies with a high around 50 degrees. Friday night, expect clear skies with a low around freezing. This has been the news for Wednesday, April 6th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be scaling back for the next two weeks with newscasts on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday during that time. We will start back with our full news programming on April 18th.